Hello, and welcome to Locked On Canadians. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you'll hear our podcast Monday to Friday in hopefully short, easy-to-digest pieces. I'm your host, Laura Sava, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matlas. Scott, how are you doing? Well, I am a li- I am excited. It looks like a fairly easy week for the Canadians on the schedule here, but I have to say, with the injury news to Jonathan Drouin being out two months and Paul Byron being out for however long he is, I gotta say that I'm a little bit apprehensive about the way things are going right now. Obviously, it's not ideal to be missing two players who are regulars in your lineup. But I think the Canadians going into this week might be a bit lucky that they have a very good set of games in front of them to potentially figure out what they need to do or who needs to step up and fill what holes in the lineup going forward. And we are going to preview the week a little bit later in the show. But first, before we get into it, we've got some food talk for you because this is also... I mean, it it was kind of accidental, but not really. (laughs) We kind of made it a food podcast, too. So Scott and I have been waiting to bring you a segment on poutine because he had some phenomenal poutine last week and I did some over the weekend. And so why don't I turn it over to Scott and you can you could talk about the poutine that you had. And I want to mention right off the bat here at Lockdown Canadians, we're not poutine purists. You know, we're okay with mixing things up a little bit, but what we're not okay with is unicorn poutine. And you're going to have to listen back to some older episodes to find out what that is and how gross it is. Scott, how was your poutine last week? So last week when Montreal played Columbus, I was out in Syracuse braving a central New York blizzard to go get a poutine with my wonderful girlfriend. And we went to a place in Syracuse called The Hop Spot, which we had been to before. They had like 40-something beers on tap, and they also do like a bunch of different, I want to say craft poutine, but that sounds very hipster smug, but that's what it is. And we each ordered a different poutine. She had what was, I want to say it was the the jalapeno popper uh, poutine, which had fire-roasted jalapenos, crumbled bacon, a spice rub, and like a spicy cream cheese drizzle on it or something like that. And then I had what was called Le Bloc, which was hand-cut fries with crisp bacon, so far so good, smoked blue cheese, and then maple syrup drizzled on it. And I can hear a whole bunch of people are writing angry letters to me right now about this. And I want to say, one, it was delicious, back off, and two... It paired great with the blueberry Belgian quad that I ordered with it. So it was fulfilling. It was tasty. That's all I could ask. I don't know if I would call it a poutine, but it was really, really tasty. And I'd highly recommend if you're out in Syracuse, stop by the hop spot, either try one of their fancy burgers or try one of the craft poutines they have there. They have like a dozen of them. They had one that had like mini pierogies as part of it, which I thought was probably going a little bit too far. I feel like everything about poutine is excess. Actually, that's not true. It probably started out as something really simple, and it probably stayed something really simple until other people started discovering it, and like now everybody kind of has their own version. I truly, I don't know if I'm more jealous about the the beer that you just you just mentioned, the blue, what was it, a blueberry Belgian? So, Brewery Omegang, who is in Cooperstown, Cooperstown has two things. They have a very, very good Belgian brewery and the Baseball Hall of Fame and nothing else um, <laughs> in the middle of New York. They have a basic Belgian quad, which is called their Three Philosophers. It's been around for 
years now. It's one of their flagship beers. And they've done a bunch of different uh, offshoots of it. They've done one with strawberries and cranberries. They've done a barrel-aids version. The one I had was – or they've done one in wine barrels as well. The one I had there was their Belgian quad with blueberries and coffee added to it. So it had a nice sweet bitterness to it that with the strong flavor of the blue cheese and the sweetness of the maple syrup to go with the boozy richness of the actual Belgian quad was next level and perfect for a night where it's 20 degrees and snowing outside. So You know what? I, I want I want people to like look at us as not just their hockey podcast every day, but also like if they ever want advice on beer or food pairings or things like that, they should come to us. I don't really have an expertise in beer, but you do. I do have somewhat of, of, of an expertise in food, and I I also, having said that, I was very behind on what I did this weekend. So our guest from last week was in town to cover the Devils, obviously, since he is the Devils beat reporter for The Athletic. And Corey and I were like, we've been friends for a really long time. And so while he was in town, like whenever he is in town, we'll try and meet up. And this time we decided that we were going to get lunch together. And I had never been here. And it's called... Ma poule mouillée, which means my wet chicken. Wait, that's what that means? <laughs> that's what that means. <laughs> I think it means like weak or something in French. So I think they're trying to be uh, like they're trying to call it moist. And it's been around for a while, but it was the first time I had been to it. It's like right across from La Monquise, uh on Rachel. And I don't really go to the plateau that much because there's no parking. So, you know, it was one of those things where I'd kind of like just like slacked off on going. And also there's always a line right outside there. It's impossible to park and there's a line. But I am here to tell you that that line, it is worth the wait. It was as you if you live anywhere in like the east uh, it was freezing cold on Saturday. It was like winter temperatures, not fall temperatures. But anyway, we didn't have to wait very long, but we did go. And it's uh, so what they have is they have it's a Portuguese chicken place. And one of the dishes that they do serve is a poutine and it has the Portuguese chicken on it and chorizo on it. And it's like it, it, but the rest of it is like it's just poutine. It's not like, you know, it's got the cheese curds, the gravy, the fries and Corey called it his new favorite poutine in Montreal. I really, really liked it. But the thing that I think surprised both of us was not the poutine part, but we were both, I think he actually said, is it possible that the chicken is the best part of this? And it's true. And I got to tell you, I'm not even a chicken person, but oh my God, the chicken there is so good. I mean, and we were looking around, like, I, I feel like there were maybe a couple people who had poutine, but then everybody else had like a chicken meal, like the come, you know, it comes with salad rice or whatever. And that chicken is phenomenal. And I'm telling you, this is a person who can't even handle chicken. Anyway, so we both got a small poutine. He almost finished his. I ate half of mine. And then I brought the other half home. And I don't know if it's my new favorite poutine ever, but I'm definitely going to go back there if that makes sense. I think I, I still think like for me and it might be just like the the sort of like the traditional like it, it's sort of accepted that the best poutine is like at Ashton in Quebec City. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but it was the best poutine that I remember having. It's been a while since I've been there. So I feel like the the if you're in Montreal, you should definitely try this. And also, uh, while you're there, pick up pastiche de nata, which is like, you know, the Portuguese custard tarts. I brought some of those home as well. And it was really good. And so that is our poutine review segment, I guess. And we're <laughs> going to get back to hockey in just one moment. 
So now that we've talked about food for an entire segment, and, you know, uh, I want to encourage you guys to send us any recommendations or questions or things that you have about food. Um, we will always talk about that. We definitely, we, we mention it on the mailbag at least once a mailbag, right? So that is something you can, you can hit us up at the LO underscore Canadians Twitter account. And also if you're ever in town, you can't remember what the recommendation was. Just, you know, message one of us and we both know. In any case. The Canadians have what looks like an easy enough week coming up, but those are always famous last words for the Montreal Canadiens. Isn't that right, Scott? Yeah, it's a week where they see Columbus again on Tuesday, they see the Ottawa Senators, and then they see the New York Rangers. None of those teams so far this year are very good, so it'll be very interesting to see how they avoid playing down to their opponents for three straight games. Luckily, we've seen it against Columbus already that they know what they have to do to beat them, and I'm a little bit more confident in that game. The game against Ottawa is the one that concerns me because it's the Senators, and we if there's anything we've learned in the past decade of playing the Senators is that literally anything can happen and probably will happen. But Montreal last year, especially Max Domi, kind of took over those games against the Senators, and they beat them 5-1 in three straight games to finish out their season series with them. And then there's the Rangers, who I believe in it. Shayna Goldman does a lot of work for them for The Athletic, and you can follow her on Twitter at HeyShay, and she's great. The Rangers are a defensive disaster in front of both Hendrik Lundqvist and Alexander Georgiev this year. So if there was ever a game for anyone to get out of their slump or to try and find their offensive game, this is the week to do it. The defenses are there to be exploited. And I'm hopeful that we'll see some of the guys kind of get back to what made them successful in previous years. Agreed. I think... For me, the Blue Jackets is so fresh in our minds. What we said last week is, is basically it still applies <laughs> this week. I I expect the Canadians to maybe hopefully play a little bit better against them. You know, both teams didn't play well. It was it wasn't a very exciting game, so I'm hoping that maybe at least in 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 Columbus, both teams or at least one of the teams will will be a little bit more interesting. You know, I don't want to be waiting three hours for seven minutes of fun. Um, but I, I like, I, you know, the senators are the second half of a back to back. It's going to be like a Detroit or a Minnesota all over again. Like that's the part that I'm worried about. I think that the real test this week is if the Canadians, they might not have to win that game. If they can actually play well, show some energy, like show a sign of life in that game. I think it's going to be an improvement over all the second half of the back-to-backs. The other thing that I want to ask is that, like, I, this this schedule is – I don't remember the Canadians having this many back-to-backs. Like, it's basically every week now. I don't know if I'm just imagining it or not, but I'm kind of tired of them. I want the schedule to go back to, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. That's what I like. That's what I'm used to. I feel like the Canadians play the best when they do that. Yeah, and it's doubly weird when – I cover the Rocket for Eyes on the Prize, and it's like, okay, normally when the Canadians are off, the Rocket are playing, except for Saturdays where it's usually doubled up. Okay, that's fine. The back-to-backs are throwing a real wrench in any of, like, my scheduling. And my friends are like, hey, we haven't seen you in, like, two months. Let's hang out. I'm like, sure, maybe next time, you know, because this stupid team has a back-to-back against the stupid Senators with their stupid cheapskate owner, and I've got to go watch that instead. And it always ends up being, it's like, 
hey, we had a really fun time going to like the, you know, smash room or the axe throwing place or whatever. What'd you do? Well, I watched my team play a disappointing 3-2 overtime loss and then went to bed angry. That's what I did. Oh, I was going to say, I think, you know, who deserves angry letters is whoever's making the schedule. I realize that it's a really difficult thing to do, but I I just, I don't know how to explain it. Like there's just something so off about the way, the way that the first quarter of the season has gone. And I realize that, you know, it's probably done by computer or algorithm and that, you know, it depends on what team is where and what the road trips are. If a team's coming from the West or a team from here is going out there, it's just, it's exactly like what you said. You know, I'm having a really hard time getting the rhythm going just in terms of my life. It's because I have to watch a Canadians game. And if the Canadians don't show up, it's becoming more and more disappointing every time. So we're hoping that they play a good game against the Senators. And then there's going to be two nights off and the the Rangers are going to be visiting the Canadians on Saturday night at the Bell Center. That historically is very bad for Henrik Lundqvist and really good for Carey Price. So I'm expecting the Canadians to play well against the Rangers. I, I don't really know what to make of them because they are they're clearly in like rebuild mode. And I saw a lot of talk at the beginning of the season that Henrik Lundqvist wasn't a good goalie anymore, that he's finished, he's past his prime. I don't think that that's really the problem because, as you mentioned, they are a defensive mess. I think that this is something that the Canadians can capitalize on. So this week I'm expecting them to, I'm going to say I'm expecting four points out of six for this week. What do you think, Scott? I'm going to be bold and say it's a clean sweep. I think that... <laughs> the game that worries me the most is Columbus, actually. For whatever reason, just because they played well last time, I feel like either Columbus might adjust to that. But I think Montreal is capable of taking all six points this week. The Senators are still the Senators, and the Canadians have had their number recently. And they should, if anything less than four points, I would consider a disappointing week. I'm going to be bold and say that they should go six for six on points this week. And I think this is the week that Max Domi kind of breaks out of his funk a little bit. He's going to have a fighting major against Ottawa because, of course, he is. But he's also going to have a multi, a good week offensively, I think. he They need him to step up with Jonathan Drouin out of the lineup right now. And it's also a really good week for Charles Houdon, who was recalled from Laval again this weekend. He played well against the Devils, but couldn't play at all in the third period because of all the penalties. We talked about that last show. It's another good week for a lot of players to try and, you know, find their offensive game against some teams that have been lacking defensively a little bit, I think. So I'm going to go bold six for six on points this week. And you can send your angry letters to Scott in that case. I guess the theme of this week is angry letters. Oh, God. Like I don't get enough of that anyways. It'll just be more of the usual. But there is a game tonight against Columbus. We want to focus on that. And I have something really fun planned in just a moment. All right. So we did a preview for Columbus last week with our guest, Allison Lucan, who was phenomenal. And we really love her and thank her for her time. But not much has changed on the Columbus side. Obviously, for the Canadians, uh, quite a bit has changed for tonight's game. So maybe let's focus on the Canadian side. So I already kind of predicted that they would get six points this week, even without Druan and Paul Byron. So I think now the boldest thing that I have for this week is that Arturi Lekkanen and Max Domi are going to have big, big weeks overall. I already said that Domi would, but I think this is a perfect week for Arturi Lekkanen to kind of step up the lineup a little bit and prove that he is 
a high-quality player for the Canadians. He's generating chances. He's doing the right things defensively. And I think he kind of gets off his schneid a little bit this week and kind of reminds us that he did score 18 goals in his rookie year. I'm not saying he's going to turn into a goal-scoring dynamo, but I think playing up the lineup a little bit will bring out a little bit more in his overall playing ability. Claude Julien trusts him, and that's for good reason. Arturi Lekkonen should have earned that trust a while ago. And also, Jesperi Kotkaniemi is definitely going to have some pressure on him a little bit, I think. Drouin was a very creative player. It's going to be up to Kotkaniemi now to kind of fill that void just as much as it is Max Domi as playmakers and even finishers now. I think they're going to need a lot out of both of these players going forward this week. And above anything else, it is a massive week for Charles Houdon, who was recalled. He played very well against New Jersey. We talked about that in our last episode. But due to all the penalties, never really truly got much time in the third period. So he was still one of the leaders in possession numbers. And I think this is the perfect week for him to show what he's made of offensively. If he can stay physical like he was playing that um, crash and bank style like he did against the Devils, I think that Claude Julien might end up bumping him up the lineup. He has the offensive chops to play up the lineup, and we know that. It's just up to him to take advantage of it. It's not ideal that these two injuries to Paul Byron and Jonathan Drouin came on a busy part of the schedule with back-to-backs and everything, but at the same time, it's a very, not simple, but easier schedule in terms of competition for them to play against. And I think, honestly, it's a very good time for to see what a lot of these young players can do. And I know that they said they aren't recalling anyone right now, but that could very easily change, especially with Laval playing this week. They might need to. It depends on do they want to just have the extra defenseman as their spare player or do they want to have some forward depth because, as we know with the Senators, anything can happen in those games and having a little bit of security might be a good thing going into the weekend. So in lieu of a preview, I decided to do something fun and put Scott on the spot. I looked up some quotes from John Tortorella and other people in hockey, and I'm going to say the quote, and then Scott is going to tell me whether or not John Tortorella said it or not. So, Scott, are you ready? I am. I promised Laura I wouldn't look up anything on this, and I haven't, so... Um, I'm very excited to see what this is because John Torrell is a very distinct quote, but at the same time, I know Laura wouldn't, uh, wouldn't make it easy on me here. <laughs> well, I feel like, so I, f- I found, I found some that I want to read anyway after we're done with this exercise. So I'm going to start with quote number one. It's actually really famous. <laughs> um, true or false? Wait, no, no, not true or false. Did Tortorella say this or not? The quote is, I deserved to get fired. That I believe he said, and I want to say it was after his time in Vancouver. Exactly, yes. As soon as he got fired <laughs> um, as the Canucks head coach. He's traveled a lot. Never forget um, that he tried to fight the Flames dressing room while he was head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, let's see. Yeah, I'm cocky and I'm arrogant, but that doesn't mean I'm not a nice person. I don't think he said that one. I don't think I've ever heard him call himself cocky before. Okay. Uh, do you want to take a stab at who did say it? Sean Avery? No. <laughs> it's Jeremy Roenick. 
<laughs> well, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's about right for JR, and I'll leave it at that. So. <laughs> the top three worst things I've seen in hockey, the invention of the trap, the invention of the morning skate, and the invention of the extremely ugly uniform. I want to say that is Tortorella. That was Brett Hull. Oh. <laughs> it's a really great quote, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this one's also fairly famous. I will personally challenge anyone who wants to get rid of fighting to a fight. He didn't say that, did he? Nope. All right. Do you want to guess who did? I will personally challenge anyone who wants to get rid of fighting to a fight. Is it someone rather recent, like who still works in hockey or no? He still works in hockey. Mike Milbury? No, it's Brian Burke, but that was a really good guess. They're both uh, crusty old white dudes. That wasn't that far off. <laughs> Man, there are some really, really good quotes. Uh, watching a shootout is like admitting you watch Survivor or search the internet for porn. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> that sounds like it's a Tortorella quote, though. It's Brendan Shanahan. And this one, I have to be really honest. I found it in a list of hockey quotes, so I'm going to have to, like, ascertain the authenticity after the show because it was just so good that I couldn't, like, wait to include it. And it was just before the show, so I didn't actually, like, track it down. Because he stinks on the power play. He stinks. I don't know why. I wish I could put him on the power play, but every time I put him on, he stinks. That's that's John Tortorella. <laughs> Do you know who he said it about? Um... Oh, man, there are a lot of players that he could have said this about. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to know, but I don't know. Is it Louis Erickson? No, it was Carl Hagelin. Oh, and now Carl. I'm like, what did Carl Hagelin do? Because here is another quote by John Tortorella about Carl Hagelin. I focus on the dumbness of Hagelin. He played a hell of a game, but that's all washed off from dumbness. What? What? <laughs> I'm not surprised he said this, but at the same time, like, man, don't say the in your part head out loud all of the time. <laughs> Come on, So man. this was New York Rangers Tortorella, which was probably, like, the most, um, I want to say fiery Tortorella, but, I mean, you know, he's a jerk. He was a jerk. He was a jerk. So speaking of that, here are a couple of other things that he said. Where we're done with the game now. I just want to read his quotes. <laughs> All right. So we've done that. We've done the, the deserve to get fired. Uh, you know, his two quotes on Haglin. Poor Haglin, man. And then, so he said this. Uh, I think he was, yeah, he was still with the Rangers. And obviously, you can guess the team he said this about. It's a cheap, dirty hit. I wonder what would happen if we did it to their two whining stars over there. I wonder what would happen. So I'm anxious to see what happens with the league with this. Just no respect amongst players. None. It's sickening. So which team did he say this about? He's definitely saying that about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. And it says I, 2012. So is that like Matt Cook years? I want to say it might have been James Neal probably. Because James Neal was an underrated sneaky piece of trash when he was in uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. So, And I remember that because he... Because that was the year I'm pretty sure Henrik Lundqvist, I don't know if Tortorello was still coaching at that point where uh, Lundqvist skated by Crosby and squirted him with a water bottle. I I remember that because, of course, Tortorella got mad about it because it's John Tortorella and that's what he did for a very <laughs> long time. All right. So, I'm not Mike. You're done. You are done. Go ahead, a-hole. And he said that, this. <laughs> did you say that, that to Larry Brooks? <laughs> nope. Nope. 
Actually, he playfully responded to a reporter who mistakenly called him Mike during a Canucks press conference. So it's, it does sound like Brooksy, though, like that, that whole fight. I sometimes I still watch it. This one was from. OK, I'll tell I'll, like when I read the quote, you can guess where it's from. I'm not sure if NBC got together with the refs or what to turn this into an overtime game for two good refs. I thought the game was refed horribly. I'm not sure what happened there. Was he saying that about the Canadians? Nope. Like, <laughs> well, hmm. I'm trying to think because he's complained about the officiating in a lot of things. And I'm also like continually drawn back to the game where he said it was really boring when his team lost, like, 4-1 to Montreal one night, and it's like, well, <laughs> it was boring for you, maybe, because your team was terrible, but... It was fun uh, for us. Yeah, I was going to say, it's fun for us, John. Who did he say that about, then? It was the 2012 Winter Classic. It was against the Flyers. To be honest, I think that was the best... What was it, the HBO Road to the Winter Road Classic? Road to the Winter Classic, yeah. Yeah, he got fined $30,000 for those comments. And I was like, you know what? He should give that $30,000 to me. Or Carl Next- Haglin. <laughs> <laughs> Next quote. This is a Conn Smythe winner. A guy I grew up with, a guy that I love as a person and a player, but I have to make that decision regarding this, so kiss my ass if you want to write something different. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Martin St. Louis? Is he saying that? No, but you're you're thinking you're on the right track with that. Okay, so it's a four... Oh, God, he's coached... So many teams! I was going to say, I'm, I remember, he, I forgot he coached Tampa Bay for a little while, too, and that's where I'm getting this from. Do you want a clue? Yes. He made this player a healthy scratch in the 2011 Eastern Conference semifinals against the Boston Bruins. Brad Richards? Yup. That's <laughs> so the one. I, I was technically right. It was a former Lightning player playing for Tortorella. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. That, it was a really good guess, honestly, with Marty San Louis, because, you know, former former Lightning player and then, like, Ranger. Um, all right. Some of you reporters sit here and tell me I'm Kurt or whatever. I'm not going to have a staring contest. If you don't ask me questions, I'll just leave. <laughs> so this is Tortorella. Again, it was uh, during the playoff loss to the Washington Capitals in 2012. I've got two more quotes. One of them is from that infamous Larry Brooks argument, I think. But the first one is, I thought that little, and it says here, like, expletives. <laughs> I don't know if he said which word he said. Ben Ferrero played well. Was Ben Ferrero, like, ever a Maple Leaf or a Canuck? Ben Ferrero hockey. Well, I got Ray Ferraro that came up, and then I've got Mario Ferraro, who was a mafia hitman. Hold on. The oh, only no, Ben Ferraro gonna... that comes up is for Seton Hall prep for lacrosse. No, I don't have a, I don't have a Ben Ferraro who plays hockey. Ferraro. So he apparently played for the Canucks at the time. Interesting. Uh... Oh, go on. No, I was going to say, because I can't find him when I just tried to Google him, which I don't think is a good sign. <laughs> Probably not. And I guess it's not its not a good thing that he was saying that about his own team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the final quote is from that argument slash whatever it is um, with Larry Brooks, who I believe is still is still covering them, right? We haven't heard from him in a while because the Rangers haven't really done much that's interesting lately. Yeah. And he said, among other things, he said, you were probably beat up at the bus stop most of the time. 
my favorite thing about that entire thing is that Larry Brooks is just standing there, like, he's defiantly, he's like, he's like, I'm not gonna go to him. He's like, okay. He's like, I don't gotta take that from you. And he just stayed there and he looks so sad as Tortorella is just like cursing at him. <laughs> in the entire time. And they're, like, in this, like, weird, like, service hallway. Like, they're not at a podium or anything. They're just in, like, this weird hallway, and Tortorella's just yelling at this poor guy. And it's like, okay. And that was my introduction to John Tortorella, was him just ripping Larry Brooks and throwing temper tantrums on the bench. Yep. That is how I was introduced to him when I got into hockey. So when we asked last week, when we asked Ellison, has John Tortorella mellowed out? <laughs> Like, he's really, really mellowed out. Yeah, he answers reporters' phones at press conferences now, which I think is a total dad move. (laughs) It it, it always airs on the NHL TV commercials. He's like, hi, I'm John Tortorella. I'm in the middle of a press conference right now. Because they left it up on the podium to record everything. And it went off in the middle of his press conference, so he answered it. And I can only (laughs) imagine being a person on the other side, and it's like, oh, man, holy crap, an NHL coach just picked up my phone call. Well... With that, I feel like, you know, this episode actually went by much quicker than we thought it would. But tune into the game tonight. We will have a recap for you tomorrow, including things that actually did happen in the game and not, you know, when John Turner was coaching the Rangers or the Canucks. And please feel free to let us know if there are any fun Tortorella quotes that we missed. And you can do that by tweeting us at LO underscore Canadians or at Scott Matla, or at The Active Stick. And you can also email us, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.